Lord, as we come to your word and what you're going to say to us through your word, Lord, we pray through your spirit, speak directly into our hearts, Lord. Sanctify us. Make us to be more like Christ. Help us to carry our cross. But Lord, thank you that we know that you are there with us. That you walk this road of life with us. And you are with us. You don't leave us or forsake us. We give you praise, Lord. Make our hearts soft before you now. Open our ears that we would hear what the Spirit says to his church. Amen. If you've just joined us this morning, um, we are in the book of Hebrews. We're still carrying on working through. And uh, what a book it's been. It's been such an encouragement. Um, the real challenge to my heart was um, through last week, those two mountains scenario. Uh, which, and, and the question came to us, which mountain are you living your life before? Is it, are you living your life before Mount Sinai with its fear, its rules and regulations, with its religion? Or are you living before Mount Zion, where the new Jerusalem is, where Jesus Christ is seated on the throne, where grace is available to us freely, where He forgives our sins, where He knows that we are weak human beings? And that was a real challenge to my heart because we so often lapse into religion and a fear, if I do this, God's going to hammer me. It's not how God works. He's a holy God, but He loves us. And so that challenge came to us through chapter 12 last week. And so we're in chapter 13 and the first few verses, I'm, I'm going to be reading uh, verses 1 to 7 this morning, but we are going to be looking at verses 1 to 3. And so as we come into this chapter, go back to chapter 12, verse 28, and we'll start there. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. Why? For our God is a devouring fire. In other words, He's a holy God. Now, how do we do that? Chapter 13. Keep on loving each, others, each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Yes, it's there. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Well, we're just going to look at the first three verses this morning. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. And remember those in prison. 
as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. As we looked at chapter 12, we found out the doctrine of, the, of chapter 12 was the teaching about who God is, who Jesus Christ is, that He's the one who's created everything, right? But He's also the one who's our high priest, the one who intercedes for us, the one who is far better through the grace that He gives than mere law, than mere keeping of rules. And so we follow Jesus Christ, and we receive and we find His grace available to us every single day when we so need it. And we found out what acceptable worship is, 12 verse 28. It says, come before the Lord and live this life of acceptable worship before this living God with reverence and awe. Why? Because He's a consuming fire in all His holiness. He can see through our actions. And on the one hand, He's God the judge who has to deal with sin. But on the other side, He's a holy God. And when He's dealt with sin, He forgives, He purifies he makes holy again. He burns away the dross. Well, great. That's the doctrine. We've looked at all the doctrine of who Christ is and what He's done for us. But what does this doctrine look like with clothes on? That's what we're looking at this morning. And I'm going to be as, try and be as practical as I can this morning. What does doctrine look like with clothes on? What's that called? Doctrine with clothes on. It's called ethics. Ethics is how do I live in light of what doctrine is there in my life? Why is that important? You see, without the foundation of truth or doctrine, we live by what's called situational ethics. That's hence my little illustration here. These truths undergird how we live every day. And if I'm living on the wrong truths, guess what's going to happen? going to happen. If I haven't got the proper truth, the proper doctrine undergirding my life, I live by situational ethics. What does that mean? It means that I decide what's right and wrong depending on my circumstances. I let circumstances dictate to me what's right and wrong. You see that so clearly on social media. What's fashionable is what's out there on the media, and then after a while the fashion changes and hey, the ideas have changed too. And the ethics have changed. And now suddenly they're off on another bandwagon. And the church follows along with these things. It creeps into the church life. We've so got to watch that we base our lives on doctrine. It's really, really important. Situational ethics is what politicians use all the time. What's going to suit them next for their next agenda for the next three years? And that's what is right or wrong. Situational ethics. You might have heard this popular argument out there in society. What's right for you is your truth, and what's right for me is my truth. Have you heard that? I often hear that. Well, that's an untruth. That's situational ethics. How can there be two truths about the same thing? It's either true or untrue. And this argument's crept into the church, and so you will often hear and I hope not, never in this church, but you'll often hear this, this statement from people in churches. Doctrine is useless and divisive. So let's just love each other. Have you heard that? Well, that's just fantasy and foolishness. 
because love itself needs a standard. One person's love is not the same as another person's love. If I fall in love with another man's wife, I as the one loving her, that's my definition of love. But what about a husband? Does he think the same of that love? We need to undergird ourselves and the way we live by truth. And so trying to throw away doctrine while keeping ethics is trying to keep your house standing while taking out the foundations. Doesn't work. Okay. So how does that apply to Hebrews? Well, we've looked at Hebrews 1 to 12. That was the doctrine. Now, chapter 13 is how do I live by that doctrine? The little man on top of the Jenga. So... So chapter, 12, chapter 13 is going to put the clothes on for us. How do we live day to day with Christ as number one in the way we love each other as believers, in the way we love strangers around us, in the way we love, um, look after our leaders, in the way we look after our marriages, in our attitudes towards our resources? How do I live with Christ as number one every day? Well, let's start with verse 1 and just work through them. So chapter 13 verse 1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Or if you've got another version, let brotherly love continue. Ladies, you're included in this, please. But just look around you. When I look around me, I s the statement comes to my lips is, but Lord, they're so full of imperfections. Look at them. The word here is continue in brotherly love. The word continue is there. It's there for a reason. It's because that love is already in our hearts and the Lord wants us to give that love out to those around us. Where did we get that love for our brothers and sisters from? Did I just conjure it up? Do I wake up in the morning and think I need to love my brothers and sisters more? No, no. That love is the love that Christ gave me when he first brought me to himself and he made me a member of his family he gave me his love to give out to others i received it when i became a believer it's his love in me for others it's not my my love that i generate and the word here is in romans uh, 5 5 is the holy spirit gives us his love when we become part of the family of christ and the the word here is the word philadelphia it's not the city Philadelphia is a love for those from the same womb. You and I, when we became believers, through who? Through Jesus Christ. He's the author of our salvation. He's the one who gave us love. He's the one that brought us into his family. We come from the same womb of Christ. He gave us Philadelphia, his love. And now in turn, as others come into his family, we give them his love in us. Get it? It's not about me. It's about him and his love through me. And so therefore, that love in us is not there. It's not our right to hold it back. We are to give it away to others. It's a gift given to us for others. So look around. Your brothers and sisters. You see, this is vital to our spiritual life. We are to... 1 Peter 1.22 says, we are to fervently love one another. Now that little word fervent is a out to stretch love for each other. That's a literal translation. It's a stretched out love for each other. What does that look like in practice? I'm going to run down a few things. 
This stretched out love for, for you and I as believers is more than skin deep. It's, it's more than, hey, good day. How's it going today? Yep. It's our normal Sunday thing, eh? And then you walk on next person. That's much more than that. It's much more than an emotional feeling. Oh, Lord, they're really getting under my skin this morning. Do I have to go to church? And that's the pastor speaking. <laughs> it's an unconditional love. How does Jesus love us? He loves us freely as believers. He loves us with gloves off. He pulls us to himself. It's unconditional. And he deals with the sin in us. And so in turn, when I have to love people who have flaws and shortcomings like me, when I have to love people who think differently to me, when I have to love people who fall into sin like me, when I have to love people who have the off days like me, when I have to love people who think in triangles, when I think in circles, when I have to love people who bring up their children in a different way I would, that's why we need the love of Christ, which is in us, to love them with. Because if it was up to my love, I'd lose my rag long ago. Is that practical enough? You see, this love is an unconditional love. It's also, it's a getting alongside in life love. As you and I go through the ups and downs of bringing up children in the family like this, that's why God has put us in churches. What is a church? It's a group of believers who gather together, right? As we go through the ups and downs of doing life together, we have to get around and love each other through those ups and downs, raising the children, going through deaths in the family, going through the cancer and struggle with cancer, going through the laughing and the tears and the forgiveness for wrongs committed towards us in life. We are there together. That's the love of Christ in us. Proverbs 30 verse 15 says this. Here's an interesting verse. It's all about leeches. Are you listening now? It says, The leech has two daughters. Give and give. Such a wise saying that. What's that all about? It's about self-love. You see, if we want to see Christ's love in us, going out towards those around us, what's going to die in us? Self-love. Don't feed the leeches. Because if we are self-loving, how can we be loving others? We're all absorbing. We've got to turn outwards and face outwards and give the love of Christ to those around us. So you can't have self-love and love for Christ. Don't feed the leech. It's also stretched out love we read about in 1 Peter. And that means it's a, a real cost love. Yes, I'm talking about dollars and cents. Sometimes real love means hauling out our pockets and helping our brothers and sisters when we see the need. I've seen that in Scripture. If you see your brother and sister in need, help them. Don't say, I love you, bless you, brother and sister, and do nothing. Help. And it might mean dollars and cents. It might mean climbing your car and helping. That's real love. And yes, sometimes it'll be painful. Because every now and then, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we might have to speak words which are painful to each other. Why? Because I love them, and I know they love me. 
And if I don't speak those painful words, we don't love each other. Because if you see your brother in sin, then confront him on it. And let him do that to you. That's real love. You see, this love only grows, and this is not from me, by the way. John MacArthur said this must be right. This, this, this love only grows in the garden of humility. Isn't that true? You can only get this love growing in your life, the stretched out love, if you are humble and allow others to love you too. Are you still looking around at everyone? These are your brothers and sisters we're talking about. This is the love he wants us to love each other with. And lastly, it's a nurturing love. It's a love which wants to see my brother and sister in, in Christ, mature in Christ, and grow in their love for him. And it's a love which wrestles for them in prayer. I love that. We have the example in Scripture of Epaphras in Colossians 4.12, who continually wrestled for the Colossian church. I love that. Do we wrestle for our brothers and sisters before the Lord? When do I take the church directory and, and pray for James and wrestle before the Lord for James? And Lord, bless James and help him through this or show me how I can love him more. Do we wrestle for our brothers and sisters in Christ in prayer? That's real love. Well, let's carry on. There's more. As the application of that is, as we look around us, and uh, please do that, feel free to look around, and, and ask the question to yourself, who am I loving in this way? Please, have a look around. Is there one person you and I can name that we are praying for and keeping sustained before the Lord in this way, that we are loving and showing Christ-like love for? One. Well, don't get dejected by that. Just select one and go and see them afterwards and get together and, and just tell them, I really want to just pray for you. I really just want to love you in Christ. It only starts with the first one. After that, it gets easier. Maybe you should do it in families. Just choose another family from your family and just love that family as a family. Love them. Show the love of Christ. Give them the gift of love that Christ has given to you. But it means we need to be doing it. It's not just theory. It's practice. Imagine what the effect would be on this church and on this community of Wanganui as a loving church goes out and lives that Christ-like love. Wanganui East, it's my prayer for us that we would show Christ in this way. Let's move on. We are to also show, verse 2 says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now immediately, remember who's this written to? Look at the name of the book. It's a giveaway. The Hebrews. Immediately when they heard entertaining strangers, the immediate association is who? Abraham. Come on, I, I knew you guys would associate that. Abraham. And what did Abraham do? He was in his tent one day and three people came walking towards him. And so as he did with Eastern Hospitality, he invited them in. And in the end, he didn't know this by the way, in the end it turned out that two of them were angels and one was the Lord who appeared. So a Jew would immediately know that's what's referring to. In the Eastern setting, 
You see, travelers needed to overnight. It was long, slow journeys. They couldn't go in their vehicles and air conditioning on. They had to walk. Camels, walking. Long journeys, many days. And on the way, they had to stop somewhere and sleep because nightfall would come. And nightfall is really dangerous because robbers would descend on these groups of travelers because they had stuff. And so people would try and locate to inns. But inns didn't help much either because the inns of those days were known to be dangerous places. They were known to be places of ill repute. They were known to be very expensive. Some people might say nothing much has changed. And so if you were a, a person who had the means and you were able to do this, you would show real Eastern hospitality by inviting people into your tent or into your home. And there you would give them safety. You would protect them and look after them. And it was seen as a great virtue, something to be attained. And Christians are called to be no less hospitable. The word there says, do not neglect to show hospitality. I wonder why that phrase is there. Do not neglect to show hospitality. It's there because we do neglect to show hospitality. It's in the command form, you see. Because we so quickly and conveniently neglect and disobey this showing hospitality. And we use the following excuses sometimes. And I know I've used them too. I know pretty well what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm too busy now, Lord. Or, oh, I don't like people coming to my house. It's our place. Or, I'm no good at entertaining. I burn everything. Or, things are just too expensive now, Lord. Or just bluntly, oh, I couldn't be bothered. Not just me. Who are we to show this hospitality to? We're to show it to, says Scripture, to strangers. Hey, it's getting worse now. It's not just people you know, right? Oh, this is scary. These are people I don't know, and they could be believers or unbelievers. Galatians 6.10 says, Show hospitality to all, but first show responsibility towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. While you have opportunity, let us, good do good, let us do good to all men, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so, yes, there's a danger of being taken for a ride. And yes, I have been taken for a ride. And I'm sure you have. And yes, there is the danger of your love being misused. But weren't you misusing Christ's love for you before he found you? Weren't you in outer rebellion to him, shaking your fist and running away from him, and yet he loved you? And so, yes, use common sense in these situations and don't endanger yourself, especially the elderly. Watch out, because people can misuse. But rather take advantage of what Christ says and obey him, and he will look after you in that situation too and turn it for good. And you know what the biggest danger is? You've got to speak to strangers. Most of us fear that. But the truth is that strangers could become friends. Now, these guys don't know I was going to do this, so I love this. I've got a whole bunch of group of here. You guys want to just stand? All our friends from all over New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know this was coming. Please stand. Thank you, Charles. So we had a whole group together, get together, Dave, stand. 
Joe, thank you. So we've had a whole get-together. We have this every now and then on big things happening. And so a bunch of friends get together. Yeah, look at these people. They used to be strangers. I didn't know them. But one day when I got to know these strangers, they became friends. And now what do I have? Strange friends. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You see, my point is, what my point is, strangers become friends if you get to know them. You've got to start somewhere, right? And so let's be hospitable to the strangers around us. They could become your best friends. They might not, but they could become your best friends. You see, we were strangers to Christ. But he loved us. He brought us into his home. He put us into his family. He put his ring on our finger. And now we have the opportunity to show his love to someone else. And yes, it's risky. What's our motivation to be? We're to show hospitality because they might be angels in disguise. We might get something out of this. No, that's the wrong motivation. That's the leech at work. Don't feed it. It's very self-centered. No, we're to show hospitality to strangers and so show them the self-sacrificing love which Christ has put into us for them. We're to illustrate Christ's love to us and we're to show them how it works. He's, given, he's, he's put human agents, human forms in front of them. Just like Christ came from heaven, made himself a human being so that we would understand what was happening. And he would die for us, and there's lots more there, of course. We are human examples to others of Christ's love shown to us. And we are to love them. So love strangers. How do you start? I'll give you two tips, and I know it works. Pray first. Lord, show me who you want me to show this hospitality towards. And then the second thing is, just start. When the Lord brings someone across your path, show them hospitality. It will catch them by surprise. But just start. Open your home. If you don't want to do a whole meal, if you burn everything in sight on a barbecue, just invite them for morning tea and buy the biscuits. What can go wrong? Just start. Show hospitality to strangers. But be careful what you pray for. Six years ago, Alice and I prayed this prayer, and then we ended up with a hostel running 42 people. Making beds. <laughs> Just believe God will show you what's, what to do. And love the stranger. Thirdly, he says, verse 3, Remember those in prison. Now you can see where we're going. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Aristides was an early pagan orator. He took note of Christians around him. And this is what he wrote about Christians. Remember, he's a pagan writing about what he's seen in Christians. He said this, quote, If they hear that any of their number is in prison or in distress for the sake of their, their Christ's name, they all render aid in his necessity. And if they can, they redeem him. In other words, they pay the price charged to free someone. 
and they set them free. Some have even sold themselves into slavery to get the money to free a fellow believer. Think of that. Think of those who are suffering. As if you're suffering like they are, and then help them. Get alongside them. How do we do that? Well, how do we show this in 2022? Well, there's a few pointers here. Just be there. If someone's going through hard times in life, if they're suffering, you can't always do something about it, but just be there for them. Just get alongside. Just close your mouth. You don't have to give advice. Just close your mouth. Let them be there with you. Let them express what they're feeling. Just let them get out. Know there's someone there with an arm around them. Just be there. Maybe the Lord calls you and I to give direct help. The Philippian church gives us this example when they encouraged Paul spiritually. How did they do that? They didn't just pray for him. They gave him financially so that he could continue his ministry. And I know of believers that I know that when they know people have needed things in life, even to vehicles, they would give them a vehicle or lend them a vehicle long term. They would give them vehicles, I've known as well, because they, they saw the need. That's massive. John, the book of uh, 1 John gives us this uh, example. It says, don't close up your bowels towards your brother. Are you listening now? I thought that might catch your attention. Scripture says that. If you've got the King James Version, this is what it says. But whoso has, hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother has need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion, in other words, his heart, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And so our prayer is to be, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear the needs of my brothers and sisters, even if they are suffering in prison. And who knows how they got there. Lord, how, allow me to get alongside them. And if you want to get involved in a prison ministry, then speak to me and we can put you in, in um, touch with people who go into prison. Although it's closing down now. They're not wanting believers in, anymore. But let's go while we can. And let's... Pray, Lord, give us hands to help and feet to go where we are needed most. That's true love to those who are suffering. And there's a last way you can show sympathy, and that's through prayer. Paul wrote to the Colossians, and he said, remember my imprisonment. Now, there was nothing they could do about his imprisonment. They couldn't go and be with him. They couldn't give him any money because... They couldn't have any means to get that money to him. All they could do was pray for him. Think of Peter in prison. All the believers could do. They couldn't go and get him out of prison. They couldn't send him anything in prison. They could just pray for him in prison. And what did God do? He answered their prayers. So let's pray and believe God will answer those prayers for those who are going through hard times. And so when we look at our TVs and we see those believers going through Difficulties in the Ukraine, and I know we get a blog from there, and I've shared quite a few times here. Believers struggling in the Ukraine. We can pray for them. I can't go there. I can't, no, I don't want to send weapons. I can't go there. I need to just pray for them. I need to encourage them in the Lord. Show them the love of Christ, even through the internet. 
when I hear about believers suffering in China in the underground church, when I know there are believers here in the Wanganui prison, let's pray for them. Let's actively get alongside where we can and are able to do so, but let's pray for them. The elderly struggling with their bodies, let's get alongside them. Let's pray with them, be with them, and show the love of Christ to them, practically. Well, we get to our so what question, and it's really quick this morning, just three points. Firstly, this. Don't feed the leech. In other words, let's love our brothers and sisters in Christ, warts and all. You can't wait till they're perfect and then love them. Because looking in the mirror is someone who's imperfect too. Let's love them as they are. Show them the love of Christ in us for them. Secondly, turn on the barbecue. Turn those strangers into friends for Christ. Because you can reach them with the gospel. As you illustrate to them through a barbecue that Christ loves them. Just give yourself to them. And lastly, and I say this with respect, open your bowels, your heart, to those around you who are suffering. And that means hitch the trailer when they need to be helped Go and give practical help. Get alongside. Comfort. Be there. And show them the love of Christ. Why should we do so? Galatians 6 verse 2 says this. And with this I close. In bearing each other's burdens in this way, in this practical way, we will be fulfilling Christ's law. Obeying Christ. And showing real christ Gifted love through truth living. Living the truth in practice. Ethics equals doctrine. Amen. Lord, you've saved us for a purpose. And that purpose is firstly to glorify you. And then secondly, Lord... You've left us on this earth after we were saved to be the image bearers of Christ. And that means we are to love each other with the love you've given us for others. Help us to be obedient in practice, we pray. So that others will see the love of Christ in us for them. And so be drawn to you, our Savior. And so the kingdom will grow and you will be glorified. Help us in this, we pray, because we are not very good mirrors, but you make us perfect and your love perfect so that others see a perfect Savior.